Hi, this is Vega, and you're listening to Conversations Off the Map. I can't wait to get this series started, so let me introduce our guest speaker, Lena Liz. Hey guys, Lena Liz here, and I'm so excited that you're joining us for this episode of Conversations Off the Mat. It's so fun to meet with you here today. Yeah, likewise. I got my coffee. We had a good little meditation dance session there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Very you. Nice. Thank you, brother. It's I love meeting with you. Can I yeah. just say, like, Same. out of all of the Reiki students that I have and the masters that I have, truly, I only have you as a master male energy. And so I love connecting with you. I love hearing your insight on stuff. And I'd love for you one day to possibly join a sister circle when we invite the masculine energy in and, and perhaps help me lead in something, too. And, and so know that that could be um, an invitation for you down the line if you'd ever be interested. Well, thank you. Yeah, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's just could kind of just get right into it. We have been talking about working with various aspects of divine manifestation. Just recently, I think you're working with Saraswati. Is that yes, right? yes. All right. Um, what does that look like for you with the the goddess invocations or evocations? How did you get into that? Uh, what kind of called you to that, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, for sure. I guess I never actually got to tell you how I recently got into it. I know that you are familiar with the fact that I am new to actually um, working with deities and working with goddesses and calling in different energies. For a long time, I've been mastering my practice with Reiki and with that source energy and with that light consciousness. Um, and it isn't been till recently that I reached out and started um, going to sister circles, like not hosting, but attending sister circles. And I stumbled upon this one and it was virtual and they did the embodiment of goddess Isis. And it was so powerful for me when I actually got to come forward with this idea that I could use the energy of um, an an archangel or an ascended master, right? Or an energy that is um, gone here on the physical, but that we can still tap into energetically and use that and embody it. And so I kind of took the whole month after that first introduction to goddess Isis and I started to use her mantras. I started, I, I, I created a meditation and listened to it with my own voice, right? Which was very very powerful. And I started to um, adorn myself in ways that I felt like I was showing and exuding and embodying the essence and the power of goddess Isis. And so that in itself was, I think, my first um, interaction with the goddess energy. And I really could feel a different shift in me, just having that full month to like focus on her most powerful attributes and the things that I felt like were her, maybe the shadow aspects of her that I could see in me that I also needed to work on, right? And I was able to integrate that and it gave me such a powerful, potent theme for like 30 days, right? And so going on in you know, finding myself within these sister circles led me to a point where I was like, hey, I really am feeling called to do this for other people. So I went on and did the facilitation course um, through Sacred Sisters. And within that, they actually talk about the embodiment of the goddess and they do it within each circle. And so that has kind of been like my meat. Um, and the the content that I put together is kind of off of the facilitation course that I took through Sacred Circles. And of course, it really is just an outline, right? And um, I, I feel into the 
a collective energy, the cosmic energy, and also just what my guides are like telling me what I should be doing for that month. And it's so super interesting how it all comes together. I never know what goddess we're going to do. I'm telling you. And I never exactly know what the theme I want to do is until finally I start writing it down and I start talking to their facilitators about it. And it always matches. Like this month I wanted to call in light language and teach light language. Well, Saraswati literally is the goddess of speech and sound. And it just so happened that that magically was a beautiful co-creation for this month. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I, I really enjoy how you spoke on embodiment of the goddess or the goddess energy or these personalities uh, in uh, various traditional practices that I've researched. One of two ways that you can work with the divine, uh, one of which being an invocation where you identify the divine being or the divine manifestation as a separate embodiment uh, or the evocation where you literally um, visualize and allow yourself to become uh, almost a vessel through which the divine energy experiences itself and mm. works with the physical plane. So that was really phenomenal. Uh, there is a lot of, like I said, just traditional backgrounds and authentic uh, practices that really reflect that same thing, especially when you're talking about how you may not even be certain which goddess you're going to be working with. There's a Shivoham lineage that I'm working with right now for some yoga teacher training. And in their ashrams, they also do you know, invocations of various deities. And they said a very similar thing where the master literally doesn't know what deity they're going to manifest until they essentially start the process. And then, you know, he receives the information again from the divine and then shares that with uh, all of the ashrams of that lineage uh, about which which personality they're going to manifest. That was really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Vega, you explained to me so beautifully the other day when I asked you how you felt about working with goddesses or working with deities and what your experience was with that. And you explained it in a way that made so much sense. And you were telling me how, um, just like you were saying, the embodiment of the energy. So it's not that we are putting the goddess on this high priestess pedal or this high this god on this high priest pedal yet we are looking at the energy of that manifestation and how we can call that into our lives and bring it down into just like the tangible real world could you speak a little bit more on that yeah absolutely so i've um, worked a little bit with with some manifestations of the divine some deities some devas things such as this not, not quite on the level that you have um but uh, more just you know, like I was saying, feeling the energy and being immersed into their presence. And I believe um, what kind of started that conversation is you had asked me if I was uh, introduced to Isis or if I knew anything about her. And I explained that I had not because I don't personally necessarily seek out um, any, any specific deity or any specific manifestation, but I more allow um, an awareness of it. And it, essentially, if I think the way I phrase it is, if they don't knock on my door, I don't knock on theirs. Kind of <laughs> I <a> love thing. <laughs> that. Um, but one one thing that um, I also think is relevant about this, too, is that uh, essentially there is a, a philosophy, again, in, in the uh, Shiva Tantra lineages, called non-dual uh, experience, right, or non-dual Tantra, um, which essentially states that all things in existence 
everything, whether it's manifest or unmanifest, seen or unseen, is an expression of a singularity, a, a individualized divine being who, of their own free will and as an act of love and joy and ecstasy, <laughs> decided to manifest in an infinite number of ways in an infinite number of tangible and intangible possibilities mm. to play out what they knew kind of intellectually, but they wanted to have experientially. Um, so that means that even you yourself are actually a manifestation of that highest divine potentiality, more or less just pretending that you're not. But in as much as everything else carries a unique vibrational signature, like you're saying, everything mm -hmm. in existence is sound, there are other personalities or other manifestations of the divine that do have unique energy signatures, that do have unique aspects of personality or unique boons that they can provide or ways that they interact with the physical plane or the ways that they interact with reality that are worth you know, considering and looking at and, and being in the presence of to see if it's something that you would be willing to work with, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I love that we are using the time and space here to bring forward these types of messages for people, just to let them know, like, hey, guess what? We are all super connected. We are all, right? We are all one body. Truly, really, we are all connected to that one source and to our higher self. And that actually brings up a unique thing that I've been reading about recently is how people are always saying, I need to connect to my higher self. And we are introducing light language, like I said before, in the next sister circle. And to be able to speak through your soul, you have to be able to be aware of your higher self. And so I changed the word connected to aware because your higher self is literally like your arm. It's right. a part of your body. If right. you weren't connected to it, it would be like cutting off your arm. All you have to do is just be aware Right. of your higher self. Absolutely. So here we are aware of your higher self. It's a part of your body. It's a part of your system, just like we have the organs and the tissues and everything works. And if we keep on stating and proclaiming with our voice, which creates that vibration that we are not connected to our higher self, then we are literally fooling ourselves because it is there. And so all you have to do is state, I am connected to my higher self. And it is so, because literally what you say is law, right? right? And so here we all we are all connected to our higher self. We all have that ability to call in different energies with that, because I think sometimes people say, well, how do I call upon that energy? What does that even mean? How do I connect to source or to that um, you know, energy that you're speaking of where I can tap into the goddess or tap into the deity and call that down. I think it's hard for people to understand what we're talking about. Is there any way that you could bring that into more layman's terms for people? Yeah, absolutely. Or at least I can try. Essentially, what we were talking about may require uh, challenging your fundamental understanding oh, of definitely. space, time, and reality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, in my experience, there's quite a few ways that an individual can can call upon these uh, these types of, of energies, these types of personalities, these aspects of the divine. Most common would be through uh, yantra and mantra, right? Yantra being a geometric shape that is supposed to be a physical manifestation of the form of the divine that you are working with. 
and、mm. a mantra being a corresponding series of sounds、yes. as again an invocation to the divine. And depending on you know what lineage you're working with or or what you believe individually, the mantra, this sound, the seed may actually literally be the form of the divine itself. So when you are Singing that or、mm-hmm. speaking that mantra, you are literally creating、uh, that divine being by doing so. Oh my gosh! Can we just pause there for a second?、Yeah. Like, do you guys actually realize that we are birthed and created by sound? Sound moves you. Sound moves through you. Sound can shift you. Sound can upgrade you instantly. Sound could bring you down. There are so many things associated with sound, and just like. You were saying Vega, how the sound is the mandala. So you're looking at sound as not only being able to digest it audibly with your ears, but also you digest it with all of your senses. You feel it in your body, in your bones, in the water, in the blood, in the oxygen within you, and it creates that shape, that tangible shape. It creates that pattern and that structure, that order of the mandala. It's so beautiful. Right. I think I remember seeing some study where I want to say there was salt put on a a metal disc or plate, and then they played various vibrational frequencies like you know bass music or what have you. And by changing the tones or changing the music that was being played, like you said, there was literally mandalas taking form in the salt that was on the metal disc. So yeah, like she's saying, like sound literally is the foundation of existence. And it has a profound impact on both the existential reality external to the being, as well as the the manifestation of the being itself. Yes, and、yeah. so for example, what could you do or say to call Saraswati in with sound? Like, would you use the beautiful mantra that you most recently taught me? I would. I, I don't actually remember the mantra for Saraswati off the top、yeah. of my head. The, well, it's、uh, not a mantra. I think it is more just a saying. It's I have Saraswati on my oh, tongue. Oh, sure. Yeah, that is、right. absolutely a possibility of an invocation. Right? Is literally just realizing anyone has the capacity to, like you're saying, have Saraswati on her tongue. And there was a, a story that we talked about that's that's coming up for me again. I'd love for、um, you to retell it. Yeah. So story time with Vega. <laughs> so there was a time where a pure asura,、uh, non-benevolent being, had done in very very intense penance,、uh, spiritual practice, yoga, things such as this, in order to obtain a boon from Brahma, the Creator. And a little bit of a backstory to that: if you look into various types of yogic traditions or philosophies,、um, you may find, as I have found, that、uh, certain beings, regardless of their intention, regardless of their alignment, have the capacity to work very, very hard and very diligently for a very long period of time, and essentially get whatever it is they're asking for from creation. That's what this being did. Upon doing so, it became known to the various、uh, the devas, the gods and goddesses, that this being had the intention of destroying the world and all creation with it.、He、knew that, you know, once Brahma showed up, that was going to be the boon that this being asked was to be able to have the power and authority to destroy all creation. So, right as Brahma showed up, Saraswati、uh, manifested herself on this asura's tongue. 
And when Brahma said, you know, tell me what, what boon you'd like to have, Saraswati made this creature say, I would like to fall asleep and never again wake. Uh, and in doing so, actually saved all creation from being destroyed. Wow. That is not the story that I was thinking you were going to tell me, but that was so interesting. Yeah. Um, which one did you think I was going to tell you? I thought you were going to speak on the story about how the universe was created through sound. Sure, sure. Um, so there's, there's a couple of different uh, stories of creation that I really enjoy um, that, again, come from, from yogic traditions. That's more where, where I've been, been learning things through. One of which being that Shiva, in the form of Rudra, uh, roared. And in that roaring, creation mm. was manifest. Uh, a little bit uh, louder. Roar. I probably, <laughs> I mean, if, let's just say it. I'd have to be like, roar, if right. that was creating. It was a bit right? more like that. Yeah, right. I like that. That felt good. Yeah. Man, that felt really good, actually. <laughs> Ladies, guys, can you do that with me? Roar. Like, literally create. That feels so Freaking fire. Right. All right, sorry. No, you're great. Continue. Thank you. And I really like that in the parallel from what appeals to my more intellectual or scientific side. Is in my mind, that really does kind of translate to a Big Bang. There was just some type of catalyst that then resulted in all forms of, of the known manifest universe happening. Mm -hmm. One that, that really relates to Saraswati, and I don't know, I don't know if we've actually talked about this one. The story of... Brahma and Saraswati. Yes, this is the one. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so Brahma, again, is for those that, uh, that aren't aware of, of yogic lore, uh, Brahma is the creator. He is the, the deity that created, uh, whereas Vishnu is the deity that preserves, and Shiva traditionally being the deity that destroys to allow creation again to occur. So Brahma decides in, in his wisdom to create existence. Because, you know, I assume that, again, like we were saying earlier, the singularity that wanted to know experientially rather than intellectually what existence would be like. So he goes and creates literally all things in the manifest existence. All of the devas, all of the asuras, all of the plants, the animals, the insects, and, again, human beings. And he becomes so pleased with his creation that he decides... He can't just look upon it with one head. So he sprouts another to his left. And then again to his right. And then a fourth behind him, so that he can see in all directions at all times, because he is so in love with the creation that he has made. Ooh. Another way that this story is told, uh, that it was actually Saraswati that he created. And in the creation of Saraswati, as again, she is actually literally everything in manifest reality. This uh, is my jam. <laughs> he... Uh, wanted to look upon her. So when she evaded his gaze from the front, he sprouted another head to look at her from the right. When she decided to move to his left, he sprouted another face there. When she moved behind him to avoid him looking at her in the way that he was, he sprouted another head behind him. And then she rose above him, and he sprouted a fifth head to look at her there. Now, uh, there's a couple of variations of the follow-up to this story one that I, I think is most relevant in this discussion is that upon seeing 
Brahma produce a fifth head to continue to gaze upon Saraswati, Shiva became rather angered. Um, he felt it was inappropriate for the creator to fall in love so much with his own creation. So mm. he confronted Brahma, and Shiva said, you know, this isn't right, this isn't proper. This is your creation. You shouldn't lust upon it in the way that you are. You shouldn't be so insistent upon seeing it and enjoying it in the way that you'd like. Four of Brahma's heads actually agreed with him. Um, but the fifth head that had sprouted last argued with Shiva, and that enraged him. So Shiva ripped the fifth head from Brahma and tore it off of him completely, which then allowed Brahma to see a bit more clearly the error of his ways. At that point, Saraswati then had a discussion with Brahma and said something along the lines of, you know, this creation that you have made is a beautiful and a wonderful thing, but it's not something that should be used to tantalize the senses, it should elevate the spirit. And after Brahma was enlightened by Saraswati, uh, that's when he was then capable of becoming her consort, uh, and they were able to co-create together harmoniously rather than uh, in the inappropriate dichotomy of Brahma constantly running after Saraswati uh, in every form that she manifests herself as. Mm. And is it true, too, to say that Saraswati brought order and form and pattern to the universe through the gift of vibrational mantras? The story line that I am familiar with is that Saraswati, um, she puts order to the universe through speaking sound in, into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so like I said, there is, a, <laughs> there is an infinite number of, of creation myths, obviously. Yes. But yes, from my understanding of things, or at least from the ones I've been introduced to, like you said, Saraswati brings order and also uh, just the, the divine blueprint to creation yes. where... She is literally all things that are manifest. Every plant you see, every insect you see, every bird flying in the sky, every fish swimming in the sea, all of these things that are working harmoniously together in support of all other things in their surroundings that allows creation wow. to be is actually Saraswati. Wow. And what is that embodiment look like as far as attributes you mentioned earlier casually um you know when you have the host when you, you come home the mo the mother and she's hosting and she's um getting ready for a dinner she's lakshmi right and she's uh, saraswati when she is happy and what other times yeah. would yeah she be saraswati yeah so <laughs> to give that a little bit of um of a background, uh, there, it's said in yogic philosophy that there are three kind of fundamental attributes to existence, right? So we have sattva, rajas, and tamas being, and I may have pronounced those in, incorrectly, and I apologize if I have, um, sattva being the, the most exuberant or effervescent or, you know, peaceful and harmonious yep. type of experience, you know, when you're in a flow state or when you're in a Zen state or when mm. you're just kind of glowing a particular way, that would be sattvic. Also, uh, when it, if you're familiar with uh, Ayurveda, it's going to be um, the study of, of foods and how it relates to us. There are foods that have sattvic qualities, things like fresh fruits and vegetables, generally speaking. Things that really just provide 
again, a harmonious uh, experience inside the body, but also the highest possible nutritional value. That's going to be Saraswati. Rajas is going to be more of a, uh, not so much temperamental, but um, like an agitated state, right? A state of agitation, not necessarily frustration, but just passion even um, qualifies, where you're not necessarily peaceful, you are in a state of motion, and that's going to be more of the Lakshmi. Mm. Um, when she is providing for you know, wealth or health or things on the, the manifested plane that we are trying to accomplish, and we are in a state of motion because of it. And then there's the, the tamasic qualities, which mm. is inertia, mm-hmm. um, or in some cases, death, which again is just the absence of life or the absence of movement. And that's when she would be manifest as Kali mm-hmm. um, or Kali Ma is in those attributes. And again, it, it really, it's like you were saying, it's, you know, when your mother's singing and dancing and, and having a wonderful time and she's joyful and exuberant, that's a manifestation of Saraswati. You know, on the other hand, if she's looking a bit fearsome and possibly not in the best of moods, that may be more of an aspect of Kali. Oh, yes. And you're making so much sense, too, and just bringing it down, I think, into the real world for people, saying, like, hey, guess what? This energy that we're talking about of creation, it's always the mother. It's first and foremost the mother. Even if you don't have children, you're still a mother. And so, you know, just realizing that, like, first and foremost you're the mother, but then also these other energies, too, the right. same time right. yeah and at different times in your life absolutely. right for sure absolutely not to say it's impossible to become entirely one-dimensional or single-minded mm. or singularly focused um, that is something that people can do generally to my experience both for myself and just about anyone else i've ever met um, we are multifaceted we are multi-dimensional beings and we have the capacity to express ourselves in a variety of different ways, depending on the circumstances we find ourselves in Mm. or the feelings that we have in those moments. Ah. And just to remind, right, we are connected to our higher selves always. It's always there. You just have to be aware of it to bring these energies down and to feel them and call on them and work with them. All you have to do is really just use your voice and state it, tone your energy field, tone the vibrations around you to connect with those other vibrations that we're talking about that you can work with and call in and bring down. Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um... So yeah, in that uh, in the brief uh, break we were just taking, we were talking about uh, a little bit about manifestation, a little bit about uh, the cyclical nature of reality, and we maybe touched on the possibility uh, that existence as we perceive it is actually some type of holographic matrix. <laughs> Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit further on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, we were talking about how, um, you know, doing what you hate for a living is one of the most harmful things that you can do for your energy field and for your aura. And we were talking about how if one decides and realizes that they are in 
out of alignment with what they are doing for their sole purpose or for their life or for their job, that they actually at any instant during that realization can have the opportunity to just decide to shift their vibration. And, you know, like you were saying, a lot of people think that the things that happen to us are cause and effect. And we were talking about how we are actually just playing off whatever vibration we are putting off. And so we are attracting that to match that of which we are putting off. And so it's just so interesting to think that we have the power to get out of any situation if we truly, truly decide and want to. Um, But it's so different from just thinking that you want out and actually shifting that frequency and that vibration. Right, right. In my experience or in my philosophy, a lot of that is also going to have to do with the behaviors that you're exhibiting day to day and your beliefs around your own self-worth, around what it is that you believe that you bring to the table, things like that. So I think what we were talking about was in a hypothetical scenario, (laughs) a person might accept a job and be a great fit for that job or a great fit for that employer or a great fit for that role for, you know, five, seven years at a time. And then, you know, over the development of a spiritual practice or through the cultivation of just one's own healing journey, they may find themselves experiencing greater levels of self-worth by experiencing greater levels of self-awareness and realizing that there are certain things that maybe aren't in their own best interest or things that are in violation of their boundaries that have always been in violation of their boundaries, but they're finding their voice to be able to speak the truth, to acknowledge the truth in themselves and to enforce those boundaries and really acknowledge, you know, I'm not going to tolerate this. I deserve better. And even just in that recognition, they may find themselves no longer in alignment with something that they were able to tolerate for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, I don't know if you all have noticed when you talk to your friends or um, just with other people that you come across, but life seems to go and change in these uh, shifts. And for me, it seems like every five to seven or 10 years, it will be that pillar mark where I'm itching for a change or I'm itching to change my job or change my office or move my home. Is that something too that you're familiar with at all in your personal energy work and ascension? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I find that at least in my own reflections, I think that it's probably been that way I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, probably, you know, roughly my whole life Mm -hmm. where, you know, I find myself occasionally repeating certain patterns of behavior or thoughts or just immersing myself in myself in various patterns that, like you said, repeat typically on about seven year cycles. Most of my careers that I have pursued have stuck with for about seven years. Similar things with relationships, you know, I, I may find myself really content and really, you know, really happy in a, in a particular situation. But then, like you're saying, every five to seven years, something comes up and it's like, yo, I need, I need something to change. doesn't necessarily mean I need to change the partner. doesn't necessarily need to change my environment. I don't need to up and move every seven years or anything like that, but I might have to rearrange my furniture or just, you know, again, reestablish my boundaries or my expectations with my partners or even investigate for myself. Who am I every seven years? Because that's likely to change. 
Oh, definitely. And two, just the idea that because we are made of vibration and sound like we were touching on before, our soul actually wants to continue to raise its vibration, its energy signature. It wants to continue to ascend. And so we all work off of what's called, right, the law of vibration. And so we have a choice. If we are in an environment or in a relationship that feels heavy and feels dense and feels as though it is bringing us down, that is actually playing off of our own vibration. You've heard that term, misery loves company. That's because those lower vibrations will literally drag you down and then it will amplify that density but when you are on the path of enlightenment or you're awakening or you're trying to feel into what it is the fuck you want in life you really do have to consciously make that decision sometimes to rise above and allow that lower density to naturally or possibly with force or possibly with intention fall off and out of your energetic sphere right? So that you can continue to rise. And so that could mean a huge reorganization of your life. I mean, it could mean a ending of a relationship or a new job or relocating, or maybe it's something, you know, even more simple as like completely decluttering your house and donating all of your crap that you're not using anymore. Whatever it is, it could be a habit and addiction, right? Or a poor way of looking or speaking to yourself and your body and your temple. But either way, we're saying that like you have the choice. You don't have to stay stagnant because when you become stagnant and you just stay in that relationship or that job, what happens is depression grows inflammation grows in your body you start to get chronically ill and you can't figure it out right and so all of these things start to actually affect ourselves and our bodies because we are made of vibrations we are made of sounds right and so are our thoughts and our feelings and emotions that are being created with whatever timeline that you're in and so our goal right is to express the embodiment of bliss and joy and peace and amplify that feeling of love that is literally your duty on earth is to find your joy and do that amplify that because when we can embody that joy on earth it's literally making it better for every single person it's making it better for everybody around you it's making it better because if i'm in that high vibration right now your energy can literally feel that and it can raise up and so that's the second part right of the law of vibration one you can resonate down or two you can entrap other energies in that higher frequency so it's like well we're here to help this light grid of energy and this consciousness and this collective energy rise and so if i stay in my shit and like i don't do my work or i don't honor what my dharma is or my path i'm literally adding to the density of the collective vibration and we're going to stay there you guys and then nobody will become psychic right? Nobody will be aware of their extrasensory perceptions. Um, but if we can all do the work, do the shadow work, step into our dharma, let go of those low vibrations and relationships, situations, jobs that we hate, step into our truth, it amplifies that for literally everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those wondering, I would wager a guess that if you are listening to this you are likely already on the path of awareness. You are on the path towards enlightenment. You are on the path towards ascension. And again, like she was saying, we're simply here to remind you, you have choice. You have sovereignty. You have free will. Mm. It is up to you what to do to embody that joy, 
to embody that bliss, to find your own unique contribution, because I assure you, nature does not make mistakes. And mm. there is something that you have within yourself that is absolutely unique to you that you can bring out and provide to the world that only you can bring. And that's it right there. Like that's the jam, the jelly, the butter, the bread, everything, the honey. You have magic. You have something to bring to this world through your soul. And so finding out what that is, exploring that. And Vega, you talked about earlier, we have these bumpers, right? And so we talk often about, you know, aligning to your highest possible timeline. And when we say that, it it truly is just kind of like a decision that you're ready to upgrade. You're ready to start acting in a way where you love yourself and you love others and you like to do things that make you happy and that bring you bliss and joy. And so you can upgrade from your timeline, like with your conscious thinking mind and with your intention and energy. But there is also this idea, right? That, Hey, maybe we are not sure what we need. Right. But we know that we don't need the energy that we're in right now, but we need something different. Mm. So what does that, what does that mean when you say you're in the bumper lane? Yeah, so for me, and this is, again, just coming from my own personal experience, individual results may vary, but when I set the intention for myself to co-create with the universe, to find myself in that highest timeline, and to be willing to kind of let go of anything that would be preventing me from getting there, I noticed some pretty dramatic changes in my life. So fair warning, if you decide to do the same, you may experience some brief turbulation. Uh, I promise you, it is worth it. There is nothing at all that is worth holding on to that can keep, that would prevent you from attaining your highest potentiality or your greatest level of bliss. It's just a distraction. It doesn't serve you as well as you think it does. It's okay to let it go. But For me specifically, what we were kind of talking about is, you know, I find myself in some various states of transitions recently. I've had to move my apartment, I've kind of reorganized my life around my personal relationships and things such as this. Um, And again, that all came from me making the conscious, intentional decision that I will not allow myself to settle for less I will not allow myself to continue to exhibit behavioral patterns that will prevent me from attaining my highest timeline. And what that means to me is, again, this is a co-creative experience where I still have free will. I still have sovereignty. I still have the freedom to make choice. But if I start making a series of choices that are going to result in me forfeiting or preventing myself from attaining what my goals truly are, I start to experience certain intellectual or physiological manifestations of that, where I may feel certain types of densities. I may feel some vertigo, some nausea. I may have racing thoughts or anxiety. It it shows up differently depending on what's happening, but it's almost like, a, like I was saying, like a bumper lane. If you've ever gone bowling with the bumpers up, it will keep the ball on track even if you've thrown it a little bit to the side. Again, I'm 
not that I'm willing to test it, but I'm sure if I really felt like it, I could probably, you know, make some choices that would <laughs> breach those bumpers. Mm. Uh, for me, from what I imagine it is, is more like some gentle warnings. It's like, hey, you said you really wanted to, like you said, upgrade. You really want to move forward and you really want to experience that highest level of joy. Mm. This action you're about to take isn't going to take you there. Are you sure you want to follow through with that? And it's just, it allows for a moment's pause. Mm. And you know, something else too that I envision when we're speaking of the bumper lane is just some time and space for you to put your feelers out there, right? And so we are talking about having free will. And so with that takes action, right? It takes, it takes passion and then action. And so we still live in the 3D. We still have to pay bills, have health insurance, put food on the table, wash our hair, take showers, eat. And so we still do need to actually take action. So when you're in this bumper lane, perhaps you start to put your feelers out there. Perhaps you start applying for new jobs or looking at new places to live or um, you know, putting some space or boundaries up with people just to test what that space feels like. And hey, guess what? You're in the bumper lane, you're in transition, you're trying to just figure it out. And the universe and our guides, they, they can sometimes, um, I feel like get angry with us or get confused if we're not putting the correct action towards our intentions. And I was telling Vega about how I recently did a Reiki session where, um, this, this client, she had been, um, having desire to get out of her job for a very, very long time, but yet she was still working very hard in the physical to make that job become successful, like doing all the things, putting all of her energy into her business. And it was growing, like it was getting so big to the point where she could barely even control the amount of clients that were coming in and the business, like she needs help at this point. And she's saying, well, maybe I'm supposed to be here universe because you keep giving me all these clients, but really truly on the inside, she's hating it. Like she just is miserable and wants out. So I'm doing her Reiki session and it's very apparent and aware that the universe was confused. Like there was some sort of miscommunication happening here because her soul's heart, her intention is miserable on the inside, but her actions, what she's doing in the physical are showing, right? Are showing the universe and showing her guides and source that she, she wants this to grow. So that was the first time that the universe was ever kind of like, oh shit, sorry, we messed up. (laughs) Like we got that wrong. Like the universe literally speaks in vibrations. Um, You could even think of it as like a radio wave, right? Like a 99.9 spirit vibes is something I love to use, right? Because you have to have your vibration on point to be able to connect when you're in that bumper lane with the things that you want, right? So maybe you're testing the waters and you just put out some feelers. You maybe don't have to take the jobs, but just having that opportunity open up to you, that's what the universe is going to match. So yeah. Right. And I really like what you said about the radio stations, because for me, again, in my experience, it's like, if I tell the universe that I'm tired of listening to the song, the song being the, the reality that I'm, I'm experiencing, but I actually don't take the steps to turn the knob and find a different station, it's just going to keep playing the same song, or at least the same genre of song, mm-hmm. right? So again, and I think that kind of like what your story represents too, is that we need to find a way to align our actions with our intentions, mm-hmm. because wherever we put our attention that's going to grow. 
So if we put our attention on our misery, if we put the, our attention on our frustrations,、mm-hmm. if we put our attention on lack, that's going to grow. But if we put our attention on our joy, on our bliss, on harmony, on co-creativity, on connection,、mm-hmm. on spirit, that too is going to grow. So it's just what plants are you watering in your life? Yeah, and you know one of the simplest ways to do that, you guys, is coming back full circle just to the power of your voice and vibration. And so one of the practices that I like to do in the morning is write down my、um, intentions or my goals or what I'm calling in,、mm-hmm. and then I read it out loud to myself.、Mm-hmm. Like it's not enough just to write it, right? You want to amplify it double fold by speaking it into existence. And there's, you know, really some power in spelling it out. When they speak of spellcasting, that is literally what you are doing with your words. There used to be a time where you could say, "My word is good as gold." Right. right, because your word was so powerful that it would speak it into existence, and so that truly is what you're doing. And we completely understand, like we are conscious, awakened individuals living this existence, human experience, right? Trying to bring bliss and joy into the world. We understand that we have to co-create, you know, our life with our spirit, soul, and the physical reality. So if you feel like you don't have time. Like you have to go to work every day, you have to do all the things and take care of your family and kids. The least you could do is start speaking that of which you are trying to call in. Like it's so simple and easy. Take ten minutes in the morning, you know, when your coffee is brewing or whatever you are doing, your grand rising, and speak it, tone it, create it, call it. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, also. Something that I've come to realize in my own experience and in my reality is that even throughout the day, the conversations that I'm having, the context and the content of both what I am speaking and what I am allowing myself to hear and ingest, are tremendously valuable to the experience as well. So if I find myself gossiping, if I find myself putting others down, if I find myself saying things that are unkind or Just untoward, that then also reflects in my reality, usually in an unpleasant way. Whereas if I find myself being willing to, you know, speak more life into my conversations or into other people even, and encouraging their growth and encouraging, you know, their recommitments to themselves and things such as this, and avoiding those more discordant style discussions. Again, I just see some really tremendous positive growth for both myself and my surroundings. Yeah. So it's good to be mindful of. It is, and it is something to kind of take note of as you're going on this path of ascension and your enlightenment. You know this. This idea where you need to maybe kind of take a look at your life and the people that are in your life and the energy that they bring into your life, also your content that you're watching, that you're reading,、um, that you're where you're putting your money, like all of these things. When you're getting into these higher、um, vibrations of like a more permanent energy signature that's vibing higher, just like as your normal resonance all the time. I feel like as I've been on this path as a light worker onto my master. 
leadership, that things have shifted, people have fallen in and out. Um, but that creates an opportunity for me to call in the next best thing, right? And like you were speaking of before, if you're in a job that you hate, realizing that if you shift out of that, that creates an opening then for the next person to fill that spot and have that lesson experience, um, you know, in, in vibe in that manner, in that moment that they need. And so it truly is just kind of like puzzle pieces moving around. And sometimes we have to look at the puzzle of our life and go, okay, which things need to be shifted right now so that there creates space. Right. And all of this as a, a brief reminder is said without blame, without shame, without any type of connotation, you know. When we're talking about higher frequencies and lower frequencies, it doesn't necessarily mean that one is better than the other. Uh, If we're talking about friends or family members that may be in a bit more of a denser state or in a a way that they may express uh, lesser value to the experience of awareness, that does not mean that they are worse people or that we are better than them in any way. It just simply means that we are having different layers of experiences. And then just to follow up on that too, with the law of vibration, you know, the last idea is entrapment with that. And so you might have a loved one um, that is vibing really low or in those lower vibrations that we're speaking of, those densities. Well, guess what? Because we can play off each other and actually um, manipulate, per se, each other's energy fields, you have the opportunity to bring people up around you. So you want to take your your grandma with you on the trip of higher vibrations, then be that joy around her and she'll feel it right? Like you don't have to just cut people out of your life. You can work on being that light and being that bliss vibration for them so that they can feel that and then take that journey with you. Absolutely. I don't know if anyone else remembers it, but when I was really young, I I heard pretty often a smile is contagious. And I really (laughs) think it's true. You know what I mean? We have no idea how much of a truly tremendous impact it can have just smiling at a stranger or holding open a door for someone that's carrying in groceries Mm. or anything else like this, right? These really small, you know, it takes kind of nothing of a commitment on our behalf, but it just shows the world again, like, hey, this is actually a friendly place and it's okay that it's a friendly place. In fact, Mm. it's a wonderful thing that it's a friendly Mm. place. So let's keep letting it be a friendly place. Such an amazing, dope time to be alive. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. (laughs) And yeah, something you have to realize, right? Is that not everybody is going to be on your level. Right, right. And again, that's okay. We all have our own individual journeys. We have our own unique experiences. Uh, And just because someone is possibly in a low vibrational state today, that doesn't mean that's where they're going to be tomorrow. Um, So the most important thing is, again, just support one another, love one another, but also don't let people trample on your boundaries. Well, Vega, I would say that you just dropped some knowledge and you have Saraswati on your tongue. Thank you. Thank you.